0: Well, welcome to Hope Stories podcast. Really good. You can be tuning in. I'm here with you Landy. Thanks for thanks for coming.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Twig.
0: Tell us a little bit about your where you grew up. Were you born in Brisbane?
1: So I was born in Sydney, um, and yeah, lived down there for just five years, and then um, moved up here with the fam just when I was about to start school. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you enjoy Sydney? I mean, you're pretty young, so probably you don't remember too much. But
1: yeah, from what I remember, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I liked the street that we lived on and the yeah, neighbours, yeah. all that stuff.
0: <laughs> Tell us a little bit about because you're because you're quite good at art, and I mentioned this before when we we're chatting, but and I didn't realise you had so many followers. I thought you had like eighty thousand followers or something on Instagram, but. Mm. It's actually a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Over yeah. 200,000 or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, so pretty passionate about art, have always been since I was a kid. Um, and yeah, like in the recent years, I had a business, just a small business, was selling through Etsy, just like handmade artwork, and was able to like ship it worldwide. And then on Instagram, I had a following of over 200,000. Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty cool. <laughs>
0: Tell us a little bit about that, like how do they, because what would you do, like, um, we like, teaching, like, art stuff on there, is that yeah. right? Yeah,
1: so I'd release, like, just, like, make these little fun videos, like, tutorial videos of Mandela drawings on the iPad or, like, um, handmade drawings and, yeah, just, like, just chucking them up every day and every now and then one would go viral and <laughs> you'd yeah, get in yeah. a whole heap of followers.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Do you still do much of it now or not so much?
1: Um, not so much that business side anymore. Um, now I've kind of swinged towards just pursuing a bit of a space of like the prophetic art um, yep. and tapping into that a bit. And yeah, it's been really cool to just like create art for God and his kingdom. Yeah. yeah. It must be something
0: you enjoy though, because I feel like even with the when you started the little small business, like I feel like you kind of fell into it a little bit. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this business thing. It was just like, oh, yeah. Just something you enjoyed and it sort of fell into it a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well art, like, yeah, as I said, like since I, since I was a kid, like loved it. But then it's also been this huge part of just my life and like my journey as well. Like God's used it in just awesome ways of like healing and being able to minister to other people too. And I think, yeah, I'm just a super creative person and love like releasing that into the world. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: You kind of mentioned just then a little bit about faith stuff and did you always grow up with that? Like um, God and faith, like in your life a bit and as a family and stuff like that. Well, what did that look like growing up?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian family. So mom and dad, yeah, like Christians, and we went to church regularly, um, I attended Christian schools, going to Sunday school, youth group, all of that, um, yeah, it was just, like, always talked about, like, knowing a God exists, um, yeah, like, Bible studies, doing family Bible readings, all of that stuff's pretty normal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, regardless of, because my is very different, but, I still feel like, you know, whether someone's kind of grown up with that or not, there still comes a point in a person's life where they've got to make a decision, oh, do Mm. I really believe this or Mm. not? Mm. And Mm. do you feel like for you that happened early on or not really? Like, was it a bit of a journey? Like, Mm. what does that look like?
1: Mm. Yeah, so I remember making like a... like. Professing my faith in Jesus when I was about seven, and I think just as a kid, like you kind of, you maybe you do know what you're saying and like believing, but also like looking back, I feel like oh maybe I didn't as well. Like I was really young, but yeah, I I do remember like um, telling, sitting down with mum and dad, and just like telling them like I wanted God in my life, Um, and dad explaining yeah the gospel to me, and then. I think it was a week later I got baptized <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah as a little kid but I mean yeah like I said looking back I just feel like oh yeah like you you say that stuff as a kid and I think because it's just normal in that environment it's not it well for me it definitely wasn't till I was older that I kind of actually started to really think about that space and, and like question it a bit yeah um Yeah.
0: And when you say older, like, what are we talking? Like, how old are you when you start to question that?
1: Probably, yeah, like early teens, teenage years. Yeah. As you do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What, why, why do you think you started to question that?
1: Yeah. So, I think, like, um, for me, there was multiple things. Like, yeah, so, obviously, growing up Christian and... Um, yeah, as a kid, like, I feel like I was very aware of, yeah, like, the influence mum and dad were having on our family and, like, just that aspect of, like, God and this, this higher being, I guess. Um, but then, like, yeah, early on in my childhood, there was something a bit traumatic that happened where it wasn't until later, like, years later that that trauma really affected, just the way that I was starting to process life, I guess, or like your outlook, your worldview on life. And for me, that was, yeah, definitely in like teenage years. There's just a lot going on in high school and you know, things start to come to the surface. And yeah, I really grappled with just like those bigger questions of like, oh yeah, like why am I alive? Why am I here? Um, why do I have these questions about my past? And Why do, all of a sudden, are they surfacing and,
0: yeah. You definitely don't have to if you don't want to. Um, There's absolutely no pressure. But can you, what do you mean by um, difficult things Um, early on? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, so there was... There's no
0: pressure as well, (laughs) you know, but...
1: No, good, yeah. So there was... (coughs) some, just some sexual abuse that happened early on, yeah, in my childhood, Um, and I think my, like, bless my parents, got nothing against them, but I think just given the situation for them with dealing with it, you know, as any parent, like, it's pretty stressful and confronting and hard, but I think at the time it wasn't probably dealt the best way, and as I grew up, it left me with a lot of questions of why was yeah just left with questions around like oh why was that bad or why am i feeling guilt or shame around what had happened why do i no longer see this particular person um and yeah like for me personally it was never really explained properly Mm. so when it came to yeah like grade seven literally i just remember it was literally like things just changed overnight grade six and then grade seven and it was just like bam all these like struggles of identity and purpose and just like feelings rattling inside of me that I'd never felt before of like what is this like why do I feel so confused and lost and just like things are missing and not making sense
0: when you say it was like overnight and is that because of some of the you stuff that you think that just sort of shook you up yeah or? I
1: think yeah like like every person's yeah story and like their journey is different but I I do think like yeah probably just the timing of yeah that season and just like high school um yeah I think a lot just was like kind of shaken and I started to feel things that I'd never felt before and yeah it was just really confusing and like it felt lonely too because I couldn't distinguish between oh what's actually right and what's wrong or what's of me and what's not of me um and unfortunately I didn't really speak that out much to anyone so it was a lot of like just internal dialogue trying to process stuff by myself <laughs>
0: <coughs> trying to process like who who am I as a person and, yes. and what's what's right and yep. what's wrong and yeah you spoke about like faith stuff was there a part of you that was just like well, yeah, where 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 mm. are you, God, in the midst of this? Like,
1: yeah, I think like because of the influence of just how much church was in my life, I started, or how much God was in my life, I started to really resent that space, um, just because, and I think as well, like your teenage, that attitude plays into it. But it was almost like, oh, if people are telling me to do this. And believe this i'm going to do the opposite and so for me yeah over the years it really as things like worsened or yeah yeah got worse like i really developed like a hatred towards god and just viewing him like i i definitely believed he was real but i think the way that i was viewing him was not a father figure it was just like someone up there controlling my life and allowing bad stuff to happen to me and I was convinced that that's that was what he was doing he was just watching all this stuff play out and I was able to justify my anger towards that yeah Yeah.
0: were your were your parents aware of that like and just your attitude towards all that like at that time mm,
1: yeah so like um, I think they definitely started to pick up on yeah, a lot of stuff, cause yeah, during probably grade eight was when physically I started to change. So there was just stuff that I started struggling with that was very apparent. So a lot of self-harm issues and then um, uh, eating disorder. And so I think they picked up on just some of those like subtle things. And then also, yeah, I, I really pushed against just that space of like, church and wanting to disengage but also kind of grew up in a strict family where i had to go it wasn't really a choice yeah, okay but when i was there it was like oh this sucks this is stupid like church is just yeah yeah load of, like you just have that attitude yeah so i think it did like yeah it was um concerning to them but at the same time i just i don't think they really understood exactly what was like kind of brewing inside of me because it was just so much suppressed and just hidden yeah. Yeah.
0: You kind of touched on. I wasn't totally aware of that side of it, but you touched on like the eating disorder and stuff like that. Again, don't feel like you have to share, but mm. it, I'm just more intrigued. Like, what was all that stemming from? Like, mm. was that again just confusion or like what? Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. So, I think it was more just like um, a lot of yeah hate that I had towards myself because of just the misunderstanding around like the trauma and and not being able to properly like process it I guess I just yeah I just got confused and lost and really started to just take it out on myself that anger and a lot of that time I did I used to feel really numb and so in order to just feel something you know, self-harm was an option or not eating was an option because you feel hungry and you actually realise, oh, oh, yeah, I'm alive, like, and you have that feeling, whereas mm. if you just, yeah, I don't know, and you just want to inflict that on yourself as well. Like, I think that's what I was really desiring was just, like, kind of inflicting hurt and pain on myself and suffering. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah.
0: So, like, self-harm and stuff of like that too... Feel. Well, to feel something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you're literally.
0: so numb. Is that right?
1: Yeah, or it just all feels like too much. So you just got to go more extreme. And the other thing I think was like a huge control aspect. So a lot of like eating disorder spaces are like centered around that control, and I think that was also just the way that I was grown up. I wanted to rebel against my parents and just that authority and take charge myself. And so in my own way that I could do it, it was like, okay, I'm not going to eat or I'm going to be really secretive and have these rituals around like self-harm that I know I can control. And a lot of like secrecy stuff because things like that, like habits like that, all it does is kind of isolate you and it, it brings you into your own separate world where you're, the centre of it and you're able to control that space. Um, Yeah.
0: Do you feel like you kind of were like, oh, you kind of deserve this as well or something? like? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to do this to myself because that's...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just eventually like it kind of escalated and my thought pattern was actually... Oh, I I believe I'm actually designed to die like I just I believe this massive lie of my whole life where it just yeah it kept escalating from like oh you need to hurt yourself to you need to kill yourself to you're actually destined to die before 18 that's that's your that's your life and I think once I'd accepted that that becomes like kind of your you're just your plan over yourself and you don't there's no hope there's no aspect of any future and you yeah so for me that was just like this whole thing where everything i was doing i wanted to have this avenue of almost like death <laughs> it's a weird mm. yeah weird way to view it but like everything i was lining up i just wanted to know that oh yeah like death is somewhere whether it's self-harm or whether it's starving myself whether it's an attempt that I can personally do, like I know that that's there because I just believe that that was eventually going to happen.
0: Yeah, wow. So it's almost like everything you did, you wanted to make sure that to a degree like death was like...
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so you actually got to a point where you were like, yeah, I'm going to die before I'm 18. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, like things at school, um, you know, like I think when... All this stuff was kind of really changing around grade eight and then nine, even my friendship group started to shift. Like you eventually just realize, oh, I can't relate to these people who are just happy, filled with joy. And so you morph to like a more depressed group or people who understand that space. And then that just feeds what you're experiencing. And then, yeah, I think that really didn't help. So around grade nine, like my friendship group changed And by the start of year 10, I was in a really, really bad state, like just mentally, safety-wise. And I'd gotten into this habit of kind of testing the space of like overdosing on like just medication that was in the kitchen and stuff. So I'd test it with just like with painkillers and then eventually like and that was going on for a few months, but then, yeah, grade 10 came and eventually I just felt so low and so hopeless and just just so lost and, like, not seen as well. And, yeah, I just, like, took a whole bunch of pills and don't remember what happened, but I woke up midway through the night, that night, just feeling, like, so groggy and washed out. And I remember, like, I had to go to the toilet, so I got up, and as I was walking down the hallway, I passed out and I woke up on the ground, on the, the tiles. And I remember, probably this is like the first time I thought, like I look back and I think, oh God was trying to do something. Like this God person, he was trying to do something. And I remember I was lying on the tiles and I just had this thought like inserted in my brain, Yolandi, you can either, you can wait here and someone will find you in the morning and you're gonna get help. Or you can get up and go back to your room and just act like nothing happened. And with every strength that I had, I just forced myself to get up and I just thought, no, there's no way not anyone's gonna find out about this. And so I just walked back to my room, went back to bed, woke up the next day and mum and dad were like kind of concerned um, I remember like just feeling really sick that whole next day and like mum came in to check on me and I remember her saying like oh your eyes are really dilated like are you alright and I just brushed everything or said no nah, it's fine it's fine I'm all good I'm all good I'm just tired and slept most of it off and then that night so the next night after like that same night did it again took a whole heap of pills and yeah it was just in a really bad state um luckily like I survived (laughs) and then it was like um so that was yeah on a Sunday and then I woke up Monday and my mum like just had this inkling obviously it would have been a god thing for her but yeah she just said like oh let's just go out for coffee together and like yeah during these years as well I had a really bad relationship with mum and dad like just hate like dreaded them couldn't stand them so it wasn't really nice to them and i just remember like dreading this i was like oh mom like seriously and like again my state my mental state was just so bad and she was like yeah let's just go out for coffee and she'd had planned a place to go to but as we were driving i just broke down and i just said like mom i need to tell you something and she freaked out and she was like Whoa, what's going on what's going on and then when, yeah we pulled into like this macca's <laughs> car park and I just said like don't get angry like but I just took a whole heap of pills over the weekend and I don't feel good and she just freaked out and yeah from there like called the ambulance and then shortly after that I was admitted into my first stay at hospital
0: <laughs> mm.
1: yeah
0: wow was mm. full on mm.
1: Mm.
0: yeah wow So, and how long are you in there for?
1: Yeah, so I was admitted for just like over a month, um, which is not, yeah, the greatest, it's not the greatest environment. Um, And yeah, that was really scary times too, because like, I think it all really hit me, like I was catching up with the reality of like my state and where I was um, and, yeah like like I don't know they they, the system tries to help you as much like their main goal is just to keep you safe so that you don't actually die so a lot of the stay was just you know being watched by like nurses and um, you're kind of encouraged to go on medication and so I think that was when I first started like an antidepressants but for some reason I just had this um, res- like I, I don't know. I always resisted going on medication for some reason. It's not like there was a, yeah, like a bad mm. reason about it. But I just had this thought, like early on, like no, if I'm gonna get better, I want to do it like myself. And I just kind of grabbed hold of that, and I always just thought, like surely, like if I can get better, I could do it with my own self and not need the help of a medication. But unfortunately, like yeah when you kind of get admitted and you're under 18 like it's kind of what they force you to go on to so once i was discharged from hospital that first admission i just yeah like threw all the medication out and would hide hide it and not take it and then that would really play with my mood so yeah like when you start medication you're supposed to stay on it for x amount of months whereas i was just like kind of here and there taking it trying to hide it take like um disregard it so that really played a lot with like that space but yeah it was crazy times and like school was just out the window (laughs) there was no way of like yeah going back to that space and just even being able to engage in that area like I don't know I was just so not there with um all of that I mean I I wish I could have but like yeah there's just no way that I could engage Mm. with that
0: when you're in the the darkest part of it all, mm. was there anything inside you thought, I I can I can overcome this, like I will get better, or or, or a sense of hope, or no, it's just like mm. no, it's just this is it. Like
1: mm. I think at the start, I definitely had embraced like no, this is my life, like this is it, this is what I'm going to be doing, um, and like yeah, there was no sense of hope, no desire to get better that was something that I really liked was actually motivation to get better um, and even during like counseling they would you know you do all these plans and have like these systems and things in place to help you with your recovery or whatever and I literally remember whenever i because I went through a few counselors every time I meet a new person I used to tell them don't even worry I'm going to be dead by 18 you're oh, wasting right. your time yeah wow so was this this, one of the
0: first things you start saying to them yeah I used to
1: say it literally like within the first meeting of because there was a few like over the years um, so this journey was like yeah most like five years so during that space there was a few counsellors and you just meet so many people especially when you're in hospital um, just constantly meeting new faces and I used to just tell them straight up like just don't even worry like you're literally wasting your time go help someone else like I just embraced this whole lie of uh, my being of just, no, like I'm going to die, like that's all.
0: (laughs) Were these counselors that your parents were like, you need to go see these counselors? Is that?
1: Yeah. Well, the thing with like that space is like, so for mom and dad, this was all really, really new. Like even the whole concept of mental health, I think just the way that they'd grown up. and just like that, yeah, previous generation, like, it was really hard for them to actually understand this space, and that's actually where a lot of more damage kind of came in from the church, because I was told, like, oh, you just got to get right spiritually, like, you just got to fix fix all this up spiritually, get right with God, when I literally, I just, I couldn't hold a conversation with someone about God in that state, because it was just like, no, like if someone brought up God instantly I was just closed down because it was just not even a go zone but yeah they, mum and dad obviously like went along with the advice of professionals and yeah I don't think I actually ever had a Christian counsellor I think I was yeah just really against that space <laughs> yeah yeah
0: so this is like a five year journey you admitted to uh is it like a mental? Yeah, health, a mental ward. Yeah, a mental so ward. yeah, young and young, that was the only time you went.
1: No, yeah. Those? So after that admission, um, yeah, coming out. I think that's when coming out of that first admission. So this was in twenty fourteen. I was in grade ten. I just realized I don't know. Like you come out and you've just been exposed to so much because there's other people in there who are literally like you know, worse off than you, or you just see so much stuff that you wouldn't see in normal day society. And it was just really hard to kind of, like, be brought back into society in a way, yeah, like, really hard to just reconnect. Um, And I think spiritually as well, that's when stuff really started to, like, change too, and just my resentment even more for church grew, and I started to kind of experience pressing more into that dark side of like yeah like listening to just screamo music and just like pressing into that um and just a lot of like kind of more like dark activity happening um and I guess because I had like time you just yeah mm. even my art like there was there was a season where like the stuff I drew mum and dad used to come across it and just would freak out at, like these demon figures and dark imagery of just like yeah all these stuff that I was trying to get out um but yeah and then so yeah that kind of just kept yeah that space kept getting worse and then I was going to an, like I tried two more schools to so just try and like keep up with it but then yeah it, like didn't work out and then 2015 at start of 2015 was when yeah again things just come to a whole new like low again and I think it just builds up eventually and you just have to like release like somehow um and the pain was just so bad and I'm yeah the second time I just remember I was still kind of in school and I just had this really bad day at school and Mum had come and picked me up early, and I remember coming home and we were sitting together, working on like an art project together, and my mind was just somewhere else. Like, yeah, Mum was like talking to me, and in my head I was like, I, I want to kill myself. I have this urge to just end it. And it was just, just such a bizarre thing, because Mum was literally there, and my, I was just gone. Like, I was not present at all. And I remember just thinking, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to do this? Like, how? And planning in my head, like, what do I do next? And then, yeah, short sure, later on in that day, like, I ended up, um, yeah, just making another attempt, and this time it was a bit more, um, like, yeah, like left with the scars of it, <laughs> type of thing, um, mm. and it was pretty. Yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't a great time, and yeah, then I was admitted again, and this time my admission was, I think, nearly two months. So, mm-hmm. and it was during this admission because I'd been back, I think, four times. So this was the fourth, and the the crew, like the team that I had, kind of just said. Like I'm, I literally remember they sat me down and the doctor and like yeah, your crew that you have, and they were just like, oh we just don't know what to do to help you. Um, you know, we've tried, and they were lifting off, like, we've tried this, we've tried this. And I just remember like thinking, man, like, this, is, this just affirms everything I know about myself and like, just this desire to die, like these professionals don't even know how to help me. And then it kind of, like, I was just pressing into that. And then one of the ladies was like, actually, the only thing we can suggest you try and do is move out of home. And it wasn't because my home life was bad, it was just like, they were suggesting maybe if you had independence and you, I guess like just that mindset of, yeah, like trying to introduce like healthy control into my life that it might help in some way, which was very ironic because I was very like in a state of like suicide and yeah, to suggest that was like a big risk. But looking back, it was such a God move um, and then yeah, eventually like that offer was presented to mum and dad and the topic of moving out kind of came up and obviously like couldn't live by myself. So there was a family down in Sydney, some my uncle and auntie that yeah, we ended up agreeing on and they lived in Sydney. So yeah, I moved down there, um, and stayed down there for six months.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah your parents i feel like were they pretty stressed about this like i mean they've just been yeah. through so much yeah. and were they pretty ner like it must have been huge for them to be like okay off you go mm-hmm. to sydney mm-hmm.
1: yeah so like yeah both of them really struggled i think um dad was someone who i really bonded with well during this season he used to, like yeah both of them used to visit but like yeah dad would come in literally every day and like he was working like really you know crazy hours early in the morning six till five and every day he would come in to the hospital and visit me and so yeah and then also behind the scenes I found out like he was fasting for me there was so much prayer he was putting in um, so I know like spiritually yeah he was like supporting me and then yeah he was all, he was a great figure but I think they did struggle a bit with like, yeah, that, I guess that um, change of having to let me go and trust that it was gonna work mm-hmm. out okay. Um, yeah.
0: What was it like then, you moved down to Sydney, what was it like yeah, living so there?
1: Yeah, so, moved down to Sydney, um, I was living with, yeah, my uncle and auntie, and they had, they have like s- seven kids, so all of the cousins, it was an interesting time. Um I did like I started a school down there. was only there for a month again didn't work out, <laughs> mm-hmm. and most of the time was actually just pretty chill like they just encourage. like I was seeing a counselor regularly um I think it was like twice a week, and the therapy was like a pretty intense therapy like around trauma and dealing with that space, so it was pretty heavy stuff um but again like yeah. I was just in this battle of like, still not wanting to get better. Like I didn't have that desire of actually, oh, yeah, I wanna get better. Um, and so constantly feeding those bad habits of, oh yeah, let's, let's not eat food, let's binge and let's like throw up eventually, or let's self-harm, let's keep all these secrets and these things that I can control. Um, and then eventually, probably midway through the year, I was meeting with one of the counsellors, just with yeah those regular schedules and um, this team. It was Headspace, and they were just like really more strict with like my safety. So any inkling of like oh potentially she could harm herself, they were like right onto it. And I wasn't like suicidal, but I think she, the lady, was just kind of like discerning oh something's off. So she was like, nah, like you can't go home. We're gonna admit you, which I was kind of annoyed about, but also like, okay, like you can't do anything about it. And I was 16 at the time. And in Sydney, the adolescent ward was like full at the time. So I had to go into an adult ward, (laughs) um, which was very eye opening. So basically this was the, the big, one of the big experiences that just, yeah, disturbed me so much. In a way that i was like oh man like if i don't get somewhere if something doesn't change this is literally gonna be me in 30 years 10 years like so Mm. basically the ward had an age group of 18 to 70 i think um and yeah it was just the most confronting thing like as a 16 year old i had to have someone with me 24 7. um even like when i slept they had someone to stay with me just because i was under age and it was the shortest stay I ever had so I was only there for a week and by the end of the week I was literally begging the nurses and like my team to let me go because I was just so scared and just felt so out of place and yeah it was during that week like I'd walk out into the common room area and just be like oh my goodness like this is gonna be me like I was looking at people who were 30 and like mums and grandparents grandmas and stuff like that and I'm just like if I don't get somewhere like this is literally gonna be me is this what my life's gonna be like in and out of hospital um and so it was around yeah that stay where I actually started to desire to want to get better and it was the first time ever and the other big um motive behind that was the team there were really strict and really pushing medication and like I said it was something for some reason I just never wanted to really engage with it and they actually kind of were saying like oh if we don't see you improve by this date you're gonna like involuntarily be put on medication and that was a real big like fear thing that I had I was just like oh like man like everyone's coming up against me like I gotta I gotta get better so I left that admission just being like okay, that's it. Nah, like something's got to change. And at the time as well, my mom had given me this Christian book and it was like something about depression, like a Mm. Christian view on depression. So I was like, oh, you know, like, all right, let's just give it a go. And so I started reading that, but I still had this like, yeah, there was still something off where I was trying to get well myself, by myself, like as in, I started thinking, oh yeah, like I'll go vegan, I'll look after my health in that way. I started doing yoga and like m- meditating and um, all that like self-care space. And yeah, like started to really have these days where it would be like, or weeks where they'd be good and then huge crashes where I was like, I had no strength to even get out of bed, just was in bed all day crying and it was just this weird like pattern of like yeah I can do this I'm doing good like I'm getting somewhere And then the next day no no this this is nothing like so struggling with that and and then yeah like around November um 2015 was when my mum came down to visit me and it was just like a weekend and um one of my aunties was like oh I think I'm gonna go to Hillsong do you guys want to come? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, sounds cool. I know they have, like, a big church. might be, like, a concert type of thing. Let's go along. <laughs> It'll be fun. Yeah. So went along and, yeah, had no, like, expectation, no, spiritually, like, I wasn't really seeking anything um, or any experience from God. But I just remember the second I walked into, like, the, the big auditorium in Sydney, like, it was packed. Everyone was in there. And every person I looked at was just smiling and full of joy and just laughing and, like, I kid you not, like, every person I looked at. And I just remember having this anger rise up in me and I was, like, this is what I want. Like, I just want to be like them. Why can't I be like them? And I just remember, yeah, feeling so angry about it and, like, all I, yeah, all I want is what these guys have. Like, what is it? And it was during um, the worship. One of the songs they sang was Open Heaven and I just remember singing the lyrics and meaning everything I was saying. Like just crying out to God and Jesus and saying, That's it, like I'm at the end. This is the the end of it. You've gotta fix this. Like you've gotta do something. And after that service, yeah, like I can't even remember what the guy spoke on. Like it was just the worship time that really hit me, but yeah, after that service, I got home. Something had completely changed. I remember calling my dad and just talking to him on the phone and, like, explaining, like, oh, yeah, I went to Hillsong, this and this. And later on, he told me that when, as soon as I was speaking on the phone to him, that conversation, he distinctively felt in my voice, like, he could hear something. It's changed dramatically, like... So, yeah, that kind of was just, like, a testimony of What already had, yeah, transformed like God had just done a good work.
0: (laughs) Well, what happened from there though? Like, was was it a good like you know, like the next day? Like, what's it looking like now? Yeah, weeks, months later.
1: From there, I had like I knew I needed to go back home, so it was like, all right, got to move back up. Did
0: you did you actually feel different when you went home? Like when you left that service, you just
1: yeah, yeah, like in what way? I just felt like so much had broken off and I had this even though I didn't understand it but I had this hope and this future that I knew was there even though I couldn't like pinpoint oh what's what's ahead I just knew Nah, something's different there's there's a purpose and there's a hope
0: yeah yeah it's just insane because I feel like just prior to this it's just like there's no hope it's like there's nothing and then bang like
1: yeah yeah and yeah basically i remember like yeah like i said i I really battled with um self-harm it was something i was addicted to doing almost every night and then yeah like the eating thing was a massive thing that like fully controlled my life to just like a ridiculous point where you can't even think or enjoy food at all and that those two things, and along with, like, suicide, the desire, like, that desire, completely just gone, like, yeah, which is just crazy, because I... Like that day? Yeah, yeah, just, like, like, I don't even, I don't even, I just remember going about the rest of my life up until this point, and never having struggled with it, like, just nothing. Yeah.
0: So it just stopped after yeah.
1: that? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And then that day as well, you're like, okay, I need, I can go home now.
1: Yeah. And I, I just was like, oh, yeah, I need to go home. And I remember saying to dad, like, I want to find a church to go to because um, I, I didn't want to yeah attend the previous church. I just said, I want to find a church to go to. And dad, in all his like grace, was just so honoring of what God was doing and he wanted the whole family to move. So... He was, yeah, determined to keep us all together and not just have me sent out by myself. Um, And then, yeah, like amidst all of that as well, there was kind of this underlying, like I said, like art was a huge part of that space. And so there was this change of like really dark, like demonic art to like healing art that a form of art that I got into where it was like patterns and... um, a bit more of like a therapy style and I kind of really grabbed onto that and I I really thank God he used that in that season and it was something when I came up to Brisbane I still continued with and eventually that's how it kind of bloomed into the business that it became yeah which was really cool because I think it just gave me something to focus on while I was still receiving so much healing because stuff like like I think in our society, yeah, we don't, we just downplay actual, actually, like, how much of an impact emotionally and, like, spiritually and physically, like, all that stuff, trauma, depression, like, anxiety and and living a certain way for so long actually has on, has on us and, like, I just think God wants us to slow down and actually delve into healing that's at his pace um, and so I was really determined to take off yeah a good few years where I could just kind of you know get back some so of the time that was and, stolen like yeah. as well because there was so much basically all my teen years were just stolen there was no enjoyment um of yeah like just happy memories all I really have is like childhood prior to yeah all that space mm. yeah
0: you said at the start there was just such a hatred there Mm towards god and i can understand that now that i've heard everything you were going through and Mm. yeah i can understand why you'd feel like that after that moment you go to that church and Mm. you just kind of cry out to god i suppose in the midst of that song did that what did that shift then like what are you feeling now towards god like what does that look like because
1: yeah Yeah, well i think like no like obviously now yeah madly in love with who he is my creator is just the best friend you know um and i think like i just love knowing that he was he was there he saw all that space and he's loved me in that time and even now and i think because of the transformation that i even myself witnessed like happen I just knew like my goodness god is real like this is crazy everyone needs to know this (laughs) Mm -hmm. basically like that was all after that transformation because i just i knew i knew the darkness that i was in and then the light that had come and just the freedom and the peace and all that space and i just thought man like everyone needs to know this like people need to know god is good like he he loves us and he's a good father um, and I think over time yeah like when I connected into a church started doing connect groups and then late years later going to Bible college he like God allowed for like a space of actually fixing false theologies that I had believed over those years you know believing that he had inflicted pain and suffering on him on me like that wasn't of God that's not of God um, and learning that yeah no God is like a God of love and he looking back now and seeing actually he was there all along even in hospital there was like yeah so many stories and we probably don't have time but like yeah there's just so many God moments where I had Christian nurses speak to me about church in hospital um and just light bulb moments where I yeah look back now and I'm like man like God was so so there so real and so gracious as well and he was fighting for me he wasn't against me he was so mm. for me
0: I just I'm just conscious that it sort of it breaks my heart a little bit to to know the state you were in because I know you now and I know what you're like now and mm. and the hope and the passion that you have for life and for people and the joy and I'm just like I just I don't know I feel like there's someone listening now that's just like that's been passed on mm someone's passed this podcast on or what there's a young girl now Mm. and she's struggling with stuff Mm. like what do you say to that person it's almost like you speaking about Mm. it what do you say what do you say to that person Mm. Mm.
1: yeah I'd say like I'd say probably go against like everything you're thinking and everything you're desiring and just try and give it like try and give something new a go. And for me, that new thing was God. It was my faith and experiencing divine love through the Creator who loves us all. And I just believe that that new thing is for everyone. It's accessible to everyone. So if you're in that place, my advice, yeah, would be to just cry out to God. He, he, he'll he hear you and He sees all the pain. He sees. Yeah, all all the traumas, everything. And it grieves him just as much as it's hurting you. Like, he's crying over it as well and he wants you to experience freedom and joy. Um, yeah.
0: Have you been able to reconcile, when you think about some of the stuff that happened to you were younger, yeah. have you been able to reconcile that now and go, okay, like, mm. to work through that a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah. So over the years, like, yeah, it was definitely a challenge. Um... But I definitely can say like, have forgiven the person. And that's just by the empowerment of the Lord and his love and even just my reshaping and view of people because with all that space and like darkness and trauma and hurt, like my view of people had become so, I'd become so scared of people and just afraid of interacting with humans and like developing relationships. Whereas now, like you said, like. It's something I'm so passionate about, people experiencing true community, true friendships and and genuine love that's found through, you know, believers and, like, that Christian space, um, as we're called, to minister that out, yeah.
0: You mentioned you forgave that person. How did you do that?
1: I think it was more just, like, for me to kind of process and, and go there because even just like mentally going into that space, it was hard. Um, but yeah, I think at the time um, I had some friends, an, like an older lady who had same experiences and so we, I sat down with her and we kind of just went through that space together and um, yeah, allowing forgiveness to come in and just breaking those chains of connection and like anger and all that, all that space. And now, like, honestly, from the changeover of, like... Because sometimes I look at my previous life as, like, literally a separate life of, like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's right, like, all that stuff did happen. It feels so long ago, like, it just... Like, even... I don't know, yeah. I just feel like it's so far away and, like, it reminds me of, yeah, God and how he forgets our sins, like, as far as the east from the west. Like, that's literally how far that space seems, like, all that past stuff. It's just so far... And yeah, it's really freeing. Yeah. Mm. yeah.
0: That was what I was going to ask you next. I thought, does it just, just again, knowing you now and then hearing, oh, I just, I just didn't know the, mm. the depth of all that you went through. And I'm like, does that just feel like, no, nah, I can't even believe I was there, like in yeah. a way? or
1: Yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. But I know, like, I think from the very day that, yeah, like that stuff at Hillsong happened. When I came up to Brisbane, like when I came back up, I kind of just like, I remember realising, whoa, like this is this is big stuff, like this transformation. And I just surrendered it to God. I said like, you know, this is for you to have, you know, my life, this story, everything that you've done. And I don't think I actually fully understood what I was saying to God, but like mm. I meant it. I said, you can have this, like it's all yours. And even yeah to this day I think I know that there's God's going to use this space and and a lot of people can relate to it and yeah he's gonna he has been restoring and redeeming this area of my life and I can I still say that there's a like healing is such a journey and there's so much depth to that space but it's been um yeah I feel like God has put on my heart that the healing I will experience over my life was actually every level, like experiencing every depth of like that healing so that when I interact with people, it's like just being able to release that out to people and affirm like, no, you can, you can get through this. Like there's a God who is so much bigger than this darkness and he wants you to get to this space of being restored, being redeemed, having joy Mm.
0: yeah Yeah, it's almost like that wasn't God's intention for you to go through that but no, yeah. you went through it and he's like oh, but I'm not going to waste it now like exactly yeah. I'm going to now use that in your life to um, speak into other people's lives yep. and to bring hope that you can get through this yeah would you say that's your passion now like w- yeah. what are you what are you most passionate about
1: yeah I think what I'm most passionate about is Um, literally like god's voice just that relationship with him is just the most sacred thing and knowing that yeah you have a best friend who cares for every detail of your life all your emotions all your needs and desires and dreams like knowing um and actually knowing it like oh there's this you know there's this great creator this divine lord and king who cares so much about me and I get to interact with him that's what just is like so cool to me it just blows my mind that like he speaks to us and he listens to what I say Um, and I just think sometimes when I speak with people it it's hard to like it kind of upsets me when I realize oh people not everyone sees this not everyone understands that God is this good, <laughs> mm. and so maybe like, yeah. In a strange way, I carry this thing of actually like saying, "No, guys, like, yeah, God's so good, <laughs> mm. and He's real, and He's actually talking and engaging with us, and let's engage with Him." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Your parents must be blown away as well, I imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. Oh, thanks, Yolandi, just for sharing your story. No, that's so good. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. Thanks, Heath, for listening to the podcast. After the interview, I was chatting to Yolandi, and her heart and her passion is to help others that have maybe gone through similar experiences. And I just kind of had this vision, I suppose, through the interview of... Uh, maybe yourself that's struggling a little bit in this area, the very similar things that your landy's gone through. Or maybe you're a mom or a dad that has a daughter that's going through some similar experiences. And I just felt, you know, I asked your landy if she'd be open to speaking with anyone that might want to reach out in some way or another. And she said she would love to do that. And so if you want to reach out to us, you're so welcome to do that. You can do that by emailing us at hope stories podcast at outlook.com and uh, Yolandi would love to get in touch thanks so much for listening feel totally free to pass on the link pass on the podcast uh, to anybody who might be inspired encouraged and obviously find hope in what you've heard today thanks so much for listening